You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. At Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. We've been talking a lot of Giants and playoff football. As a matter of fact, Cincinnati has found the end zone again. They're taking, they've taken the 15-10 lead, and they're going for two. 11 plays, 83 yards. Right now, we turn our attention to a little basketball earlier today, right here on 98.7 ESPN. The Knicks found a way to beat the Detroit Pistons, 117-104. Want to talk a little Nick basketball to see whether I need to adjust my expectations for this team. And for that, I turn to my good friend who I haven't had a chance to speak with in a while. He is Jamie Harris, who does a phenomenal job covering the Knicks for the Amsterdam News. Jamie, Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Oh, Happy New Year to you and the family, Larry, my dear brother. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. First of all, before we talk Knicks, you also cover the Giants for the Amsterdam News. So give me your thoughts on that game today. Very impressed with the Giants' victory today, Larry, although I wasn't surprised. Uh, I thought the earlier game, the Christmas Eve game, where the Giants, uh, you know, went toe-to-toe with the Vikings. Uh, Obviously, it took a a franchise record field goal for the Vikings to defeat the Giants. I thought that the Giants, coming into this game, were the better team. I thought the matchup favored the Giants. Uh, I didn't think that uh, Minnesota would be able to stop uh, the Giants' offense, and I thought if the Giants could get pressure on Kirk Cousins, particularly in critical moments, which they did, uh, they would come out on top. And so uh, very impressed. Uh, this is a well-coached team. Uh, I think the job that uh, Brian Dayton and his staff have done with Daniel Jones is just nothing short of phenomenal, particularly Larry. He's not turning over the ball this season, which was obviously uh, w- one of the issues with him. Uh, he's not just managing the game, uh, but he's seeing the game. He's reading the game. And more importantly, what he did not do and what the two previous coaches did not have him do is used as athleticism. I've always said Jones is one of the best athletes on the field in any game he plays. To have him just sitting in the pocket is not the best utilization of his skill set. We saw Dable all season using his legs, uh, using uh, Danny Jones's legs. And I think today his ability to run the ball was the difference in the Giants' offense being as productive and efficient as it was. There's no question about that. Um, did they have a chance against Philly? Uh, yeah, Larry, anytime you play a division opponent, you know, we've seen, uh, even tonight, we see the Ravens and, and Cincinnati, uh, very close game. Uh, this will be the third time uh, that they face each other, so there's no surprises. I think it's going to be an old NFC battle. Uh, but I do think the Giants have a chance. Obviously, Philadelphia, just on paper, talent-wise, has more talent. But once again, I think Dable has shown that he gets his team ready to play. Uh, this team is very disciplined in their approach. And I expect the Giants to be very competitive in that game. I agree with you. I do as well. All right, Jamie, let's talk about the Knicks. And, okay, I have, I have a trivia question for you, and, but I, but it's one that you can easily answer. Ready? Let's go. All right. When's the last time the Knicks had a point guard as good as Jalen Brunson? I would say Marbury. Um, the closest has, has been Marbury mm-hmm. just sustained a high level of play. Um, I, I, don't, I can't recall. Uh, again, uh, beyond Seth or Marbury, anyone who uh, has played as well. And how long ago uh, as, was that, Jamie? <laughs> that was, probably, you know, <laughs> let's, let's go two decades. I mean, 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, oh you know, and again, you know, like we've talked about this off the air. We've talked about this on the air. Uh, in the days NBA, you cannot compete uh, at the position where you have the most dynamic players in the game. I mean, every night in and night out. Uh, you're facing a seemingly a great point guard in this league. Uh, and if you don't have one, you can't win. Uh, the Knicks went out and got one. And I'll be honest, Larry, 
uh, we talked about this. I, I thought Brunson was very good. I'm, I'm surprised at how well he's playing. I mean, Brunson is just, uh, he's savvy. He, he's tough. Uh, you know, he's someone who, you know, brings a certain, I think, maturity and, and, and fire and presence to the team and to that position uh, that clearly has been missing. Yeah, you know what? He's he's a better scorer than I thought he was, uh, Jamie. And um, we saw some of it last year in the postseason, you know, when he had to take over a little bit and try to help Luca out somewhat. So we saw a little bit of it, but he's just been he's been very good offensively, and he's he's really and he runs the team well. He he's a guy that even though they still make you reach for the tums and the Alka-Seltzer sometime in the fourth quarter, Jamie. Uh, but he's a guy who you, you're comfortable with the ball in his hands, him making the decisions. Absolutely. And I think so many people are guilty of looking at, you know, how dynamic and how athletic a player is and not just looking at that player's resume and history. You know, I follow high school basketball very closely. And, and Brunson, from the time he was in high school, uh, has been a, a one of the top, you know, players at his position at every level. Um, and I think because he's, you know, six one, he's not, he doesn't jump the highest, you know, he's not a John Moran or De'Aaron Fox, one of these guys who's just athleticism is off the charts. I think people have a tendency to overlook him, but what he is, is a winner. Uh, he won in high school. He won at Villanova. Uh, he played, came up to the USA basketball system. And so this guy has always performed and played at a high level. And we saw, as you said, Larry, even though it was a small sample, what he did last year in the playoffs, and we didn't know if that would translate uh, into a longer period. Uh, but now that we've had a larger sample size, uh, we see that, you know, he has staying power uh, to play at this level that he's playing at currently. All right, Jamie, how should I look at this Nick team? Uh, they, they win five, six in a row, then they lose five, six in a row. Uh, then you see them, they, they have a lead, they play well against a, a Milwaukee team, and then they lose late. Uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think they have top six talent per se, uh, but right now that's where they are. So how should I look at this team? Well, it's interesting, Larry. You know, you're far more than a sports talk show host. You are also a uh, therapist because I listen, you know, to you when I'm driving from the garden. And to hear some of the callers, I think you bring some reason. And, some of the, you know, some of the callers are great. Uh, you know, they bring reason and some logic to uh, what we see currently, because fans are excited, Larry. I mean, we haven't, you know, seen a Knicks team, uh, obviously, the, you know, the, the, the 2021 season uh, when they were the fourth seed, but we knew that they weren't as good as their record. Uh, it was just the perfect storm uh, that season. But uh, I do think that this team is better. I think this team is more balanced, particularly offensively. Uh, I think that, you know, they have a good mix of veterans, uh, a good mix of youth. Uh, but I agree with you. And if we look at the schedule uh, and look at the, the games they recently won, uh, seven out of eight, uh, you know, it was only one team that was uh, over 500. That was the Suns, and obviously they're banged up and injured. Um, and so, you know, what they've done, which is critical, they're beating the team they're supposed to beat. Hmm. They're not letting the, you know, the bad teams beat them. They're handling their business against those teams. And now, Larry, they're 24-19. Uh, they're two games over the midpoint of the season. Being 500, two games over the midpoint season is so important because you have to put those wins in the bank. Because as you know, basketball, particularly a team like the Knicks, as you said, they're not as talented uh, as the other top teams in the East or, or the West, but let's look at the East. And so they're going to be some games and, and compared to the season, but they're going to lose three out of four. 
if you look at the schedule, they had some pretty tough stretches uh, the rest of the way. And so um, I, I do think that this team is going to be fighting uh, to remain, you know, one of the top seven teams. You know, they, they obviously want to stay in that six spot so they don't have to be in the play-in. But I do think there's going to be a team that, you know, coming down to the final week of the season, uh, they're going to be fighting for, you know, that six or seven seed, and they may wind up being the seven seed. Uh, but we see a team that certainly is making progress. We see a team that now has two all-star caliber players uh, in Randall and Brunson as, as opposed to one. And so they're going to be a team that I believe is going to remain very competitive uh, throughout the course of the season. Jamie Harris, my guest, covers the Knicks for the Amsterdam News, amongst other things. He does college, college, high school. He does it all for the Amsterdam. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Jamie, let, let's talk about it because he, here's a guy who <laughs> – where was this Julius Randle last season? That's what I'm wondering because he has been just phenomenal. He's on the tear right now. And, listen, I, I know I criticized him, you know, but today 42 points – 15 rebounds, but only one turnover. And for me, that's the biggest gripe I have against Julius Randle, uh, Jamie, is stop dribbling the ball. Give it up. Get your, get your spot in the low post and do the damage that you can do. Well, Larry, you know, you, you, you played this game your entire life. You've studied the game. You've been around some of the great minds of the game. Larry, he was being asked to do more than he could do. Uh, I've always been a guy who's been on the side of supporting Julius Randle because when he signed with this team, he was thrust into a role that really he shouldn't have been uh, ascribed, which was being a number one. He's not a number one. You know, you know, Joker and Giannis, uh, you know, and, and, and those guys are number one. But he is a hell of a number two, number three player. And uh, this is the best basketball he's played in his career. But it's no coincidence he's had this resurgence this year after making All-NBA in 2021, then struggling last year. Why? because he's not asked to handle the ball. He's not asked to be a playmaker. He now has that guy in Jalen Brunson. So Brunson has been able to give him in the spot. And I've asked Randall this uh, earlier this season about the importance of Brunson to him, getting him in the spot, knowing where he wants the ball. And he said it's hugely important. And so he's acknowledged that having Brunson on the team has lessened his responsibility of trying to make plays and do what he does. He scores the ball. The guy plays aggressive, he plays physical, he plays hard. And if you look at his numbers, Larry, they're almost identical from the year he made all second-team All-NBA. He averaged 24-10 and 10 that season. He's currently averaging 24-10. and 10. And for me, I asked uh, Coach Thibodeau uh, several weeks ago, you know, about the resurgence in the team's defense. It began when he went to the nine-man rotation. You remember when they got blown out by the Mavericks December 3rd at the Garden, 21 points. They were struggling defensively after that. Thibodeau went to the nine-man rotation. Since then, the Knicks have had one of the highest defensive ratings in basketball because they have now Deuce McBride in there. They have, you know, Grimes is in there playing defense. And Randall is actually playing very good defense. But offensively, because Randall has been efficient, and Thibodeau has always said the stat he looks at defensively is opponent's field goal percentage. What did we hold? And that's the, the, that was the answer to one of my questions that I asked him. What is the most important statistic for him? He said, what is the shooting percentage that we hold the team to? I think that's so important. But for me, offensively, that's also important. What is the player shooting? You know, a guy can say, oh, he's averaging 25 points, but how many shots? What is the shooting percentage? You look at Randall and Jalen Brunson, those two guys, the next two best players, have been highly efficient offensively. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that, you know, just, just as an aside, that's one of the things that I talk about, which is so phenomenal with Kevin Durant. You talk about the guy that's sufficient, Jamie. That guy scores like he he could score he could score sixty points on like ten shots and go to the free throw line, you know, and hit some threes and just light you up. I mean, he is so efficient, and you know, Tibbs is right that that's what you look for. You if if a guy scores a bunch of points, but he's working a lot, you know, that's that, that's what you want your guys to do. But isn't it interesting that? You know, him going to the nine-man rotation and playing Grimes and playing McBride. And, you know, Emmanuel quickly has taken a step back, too, where, where he was because last year he wasn't as good. He seems to have had a little resurgence as well. Resurgence as well. And the person I'm waiting for to see is if they can find a way, along with those other young players, Jamie, of getting R.J. Barrett to be consistent and finish with his right hand a little bit more, I mean, I might, I might have to look at this team a little bit differently. Agree, and, and R.J. could be the X factor. When we talk about efficiency uh, throughout his career, R.J. hasn't been very efficient. You know, he's you know shot a relatively low percentage, uh, you know, on twos overall, uh, as well as on three-point shots. So R.J. just and that's you know I think that's a manifestation of sometimes you know R.J. You know, maybe forcing his options a little bit, not letting it come to him. Uh, but you know, if R.J. Barrett can become a more efficient offensive player that would be a significant boost to the team because, you know, obviously they do need that third guy. He can be that guy, uh, but, he, but he has to, again, Larry, he has to be more efficient. And we don't even have to look at the advanced metrics where, you know, last year he, you know, was last in the league at, you know, shots at the basket. I think it was more, 200 attempts or more. And as you said, that, you know, had not really being able to finish strongly with his right hand. And he's still a young player, even though it's his fourth year in the league. Um, you know, Pete Carroll always says something, Larry, and you remember this. Pete mm. Carroll said no matter what age you are, how long you've been in the league, you can always get better. Yep. And so I, I do still have hope that RJ can become more efficient uh, offensively, uh, take better shots, and then you'll see him be a much better player. And I do think this year he's focused a little bit more, too much on his offense, you know, and sacrificed some of his defense. So I think he also has to get back to those defensive principles because remember last year, and early in his career, he took on the challenge of wanting to guard, you know, the opposing team's best wing and best guard, which now goes to Quentin Grimes, who's done a tremendous job doing that. But I think if you look at RJ's defensive rating, too, it's taking a step back. So I do think RJ has the ability. I just think it's more of a mental approach with him. Last thing, Jamie. Uh, we're, we're about a month away from the trade deadline. You've got Cam Reddish, who's been on this bench. You've got Evan Fournier, who's gotten off the bench a little bit. Uh, you know, you got uh, a Derrick Rose who's out of the rotation right now. Uh, do you see the Knicks making a move uh, to try to try to get another player to help them move a little closer? Maybe a wing player, a three and D guy. Wow, Larry, you know that's, that's deep because that's exactly what I was about to say. I think they could use a a, a wing guy, a three and D guy, and we hear the name, uh, you know, Ananobi or Toronto, mm -hmm. you know, mentioned often. Uh, I think he's going to be probably uh, one of the top three or four uh, targets for teams around the league because he, he's one of the best 3 and D guys in basketball. And so that's exactly what they need. Um, and, they, and they're flush with draft picks. I mean, the Knicks are flush with draft choices, so uh, they have the assets. I do think one player that the Knicks have that other teams uh, will be looking to acquire is, is Fournier because he's a shooter. You know, here's the guy who sets the single-season franchise record the three-pointers last year, and in a league that values and wants to spread the floor that values uh, three-point shooting, uh, to have him just sitting on the next bench 
uh, pretty much out of the rotation. He played recently due to the injuries. Uh, I, I think that Fournier is going to be a player that a lot of teams are going to be asking about. Uh, I could see a team like the Lakers, you know, who need shooting uh, mm. to surround you know, to surround LeBron with, uh, you know, calling. But uh, he's probably the one guy. But the Knicks certainly need to uh, look at trying to get a uh, 3 and D player. Reddish, they took a gamble, gave up a first-round pick. They was hoping he would be that guy. He's proven not to be. And so maybe they try to move him along with Fournier to get a guy who can fill that role. Jamie, great work as always. We'll continue reading you in the Amsterdam News. Keep up the fine work, and we'll talk down the line, my friend. Always, Larry. Keep doing a great job, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, that's Jamie Harris of the Amsterdam News. All right, we'll talk a little Knicks and Nets. Let's do that. 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back and talk basketball with you on 98.7 ESPN. You're, you're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Super wild card weekend thus far. And, you know, this, this Cincinnati-Baltimore game is typical AFC North battle. It's physical. It's close. A lot of hard hitting, a couple of flags for unsportsmanlike. It's it's AFC North football. That's <laughs> what it is. So, you know, um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be good. We'll keep it updated. It's tied at 17 apiece in the third. 1-800-919-3776. Talking low hoops. Let's start with Steve in Jersey. Steve, you're next on the drive. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Uh, I think Jalen Brunson has been everything we could have hoped for in a point guard. He might even be underpaid at this point in time. Um, one of the negatives of his signing is I think RJ has kind of regressed a little bit. I know he's been hurt a little bit, but he hasn't stepped up to the plate and been that star player we were hoping that he would uh, kind of turn into. So my question is, now that Donovan Mitchell is off the table, what can who can the Knicks trade for so far as that superstar talent that can take us to the next level? Um, obviously, like I said, Donovan's off the table. Do you think maybe a Damian Lillard, uh, Portland, you know, not really taking that next step? Um, they started off good, but they have kind of, you know, took a step back this year. He might be unhappy. I understand the contract is a lot, but I'm sure there's a way to make that work. And the asking price might be a lot lower than what uh, Utah was asking for for uh, Donovan Mitchell. So what can we do? Because right now the, mediocre, the Knicks are just a mediocre team. We know they can't compete with Milwaukee. They can't compete with Boston. They can't compete with Brooklyn. And right now in that sixth seed or the seventh seed, you know, they may get out the first round, but that's pretty much where it'll end. So what can the Knicks do to get that uh, to make the ultimate goal of winning a championship? What can they do? Steve, they got. Uh, thanks for the phone call. There's not. I don't know if there's much they can do. I don't think that Damian Lillard would agree to come here. He he uh, signed that deal with Portland because he said he wanted to stay in Portland. So you know, I don't think he'll move. I don't think he'll make that decision. I guess what the best thing to do would be to wait to see who's the next disgruntled athlete. Now, you know, um, the young man from Toronto that Jamie Harris just mentioned is a prime person. That's a person that's been mentioned here a lot. Uh, obviously, I keep hearing Zach Levine, but I hear Zach Levine. I've heard Zach Levine coming to the Knicks for the past three, four years. So, uh, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's what you need to take that next step. I think he's a lateral move. Um, Ananobi might be would be a better move. Uh, I just don't know that Toronto would trade him within their division. I think they would really prefer to trade him away from their division. So I don't know if that's a possibility. I really, I don't, I don't know. I have to wait and see who is available. That's that's disgruntled, 
And, you know, you may have to wait until you get close to the trade deadline to find that out. I mean, I've heard Kyle Kuzma. That's been the name that's popped up as well. Once again, I don't think that's a, that's not a move that makes you – it's a lateral move. It's not a move that brings you a step closer. So I, I don't think the, the, imp, the superstar players that you're looking for, I can't think of one right now who's ready to say, okay, I'm, I'm unhappy where I am. I want to go and, and come to move out of here. And yes, I'm willing to go to New York. Let's make the deal. The Donovan Mitchell situation, you know, I mean, it's hard. You look back on it now. Some people wanted him. Some people didn't want him. Uh, they didn't want to give up Grimes. You see that Grimes has had a, a major impact on this team from a defensive standpoint. He's a guy that's been very effective hitting the three, especially late in games. He's a guy that has been open on the wing sometimes when you move the ball around, so on and so forth. So he's 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 performed well. Obviously, when you see that Donovan Mitchell scored over seventy points in the game and what he's been what he's meant, and who really lobbied to be a Nick, it, you're kind of disappointed that they weren't able to find a way to make that happen. But you know, in the Knicks, in the front office, I did. They asked for a lot, and the Knicks weren't willing to give that up. They still have all those draft choices, so you know you're not gonna you're not gonna use all of them. So hopefully they'll find a deal that they feel is more workmanlike that can help them get to that step. Because you're right, they need to improve. They are a bottom conference team right now. They need to make a move or two where they can be a you know move move up the conference level. And what you had to say about R.J. Barrett is right on point. I think he's found it hard to fit between Brunson and Randall. He's not really sure of where he fits in there. And the other part of it, then he got hurt, so he got out of it. Now he's trying to find his way back into that mix. And he is starting to force some shots. So we'll see if he can find a way to adjust and get back into the swing of things where now you've got three guys and I think the one thing I'll say, too, about Thibodeau is with the nine-man rotation, I think he's done a very good job in keeping either Randall or RJ in that lineup with the bench players. So you have a go-to person in that, you know, when the, when the bench guys are on the floor. Because now that he's short in the bench, you've got guys that aren't really getting a whole lot of consistent playing time. And so the playing time is uneven, which causes their production sometimes to be uneven. So while quickly is logging a lot of minutes because he's now the first guard off the bench, uh, you know, Obi Toppin is struggling to find his way back into the rotation now because of the injury. Uh, Hardenstein has been, his production has not been what you thought it was early in the season. McBride's been up and down. So uh, they do need to get some help from their bench. And uh, he's done a nice job in trying to keep the starters on, but that means that the starters' minutes have gone up. Julius Randle t- today, 40 minutes. Jalen Brunson, 42 minutes. So that's the one thing that you're a little concerned about is the minutes that you guys are playing. When we return, more of your phone calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It is so clear that in today's National Football League, your quarterback's got to be able to move the ball on the ground, man. The, the days of just, oh, what? Unbelievable. This fumble, Cincinnati's going to turn, well, oh, he missed the lineman. The guy, he's going to pass out. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
there was a fumble in the air, and it was returned the length of the field by Cincinnati. I was about to say, uh, the today in the NFL, you've got to have a mobile quarterback. The days of quarterbacks sitting in the pocket, you know, the days of Tom Brady, you know, sitting in the pocket, just, um, you know, sitting back there, and, and some of these quarterbacks just sitting back there in the pocket. You really need a guy that can move the football because defenses are so good. Well, Huntley tried to go over the top. The ball was stripped, and Hubbard turned it, took it, took it to the house in the other direction. So Cincinnati now has the lead, 23-17. You, you, that's what you got to have, man. You need a guy that can move the ball with his legs, extend plays, take advantage, because defenses are just so good now. They're just so good. Michael's in Jersey. Michael, you're next on the drive. Hey, what's up, Larry? Hey, listen, uh, the Giants, big win. Daniel Jones, make me a believer? Absolutely now, 100%, all in. I thought it was a good overall win, you know, some of their third downs, hold on, honey. I'm sorry. That's my eight-year-old twin. Uh, third downs were manageable. You know, uh, uh, they bend, they don't break. That's been kind of the way they've been all year. Saquon uh, had a, a, a solid game. But this fat, fun fact about Daniel Jones is the fifth QB in the Super Bowl era with two-plus pass yards, 200-plus pass yards, two-plus TDs, and 70-plus rush yards in a playoff game. The other guys, Josh Allen, Colin Kaepernick, Donovan McNabb, and Steve Young. And like you said, Larry, they're all mobile. They, they yep. make plays with their feet. Yep. That's today's NFL, so, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Make me a believer. I'm all in on Daniel Jones. I might have to go buy the players, you know, the jersey tomorrow at Dick's Road Warriors as we uh, are playing with house money going into next week. Confidence about- is key. We played them close, too. You feel so, good about going Eagles. into Philly, Michael? Yeah, like I felt good going into playing the Vikings, you know. We played them solid, I think, especially the second game, you know, the last game close to the end of the season, even without our starters. So you got to feel confident. Hey, Giants are playing with house money. You know, objects in in mirror are closer than they appear, okay? So we'll we'll, we'll take that as the Giants go forward. Just keep an eye because they'll sneak up on you and take the victory, you know. That's true, my friend. Enjoy the game. Thanks for the phone call. I like that. Objects are closer than they appear. <laughs> it is It is so, it is, that's what I love about New York sports and New York sports fans. They. We are so in the moment. I mean, gone are the, I'm taking phone calls. I don't, Daniel Jones, I don't like Daniel Jones. What did they do? They reached. He's no good. He's this. But it's not the same Daniel Jones, so I understand it. It is, it is, and, and I've said it before. Coaching is big. Coaching is big in basketball. It's big in hockey. It is huge in football. It is huge in football. And you can just see the difference what coaching makes. And we've said it over and over and over again about Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball and what he's been able to do. And we said that, too. Ironically, when Tom Thibodeau came to the Knicks, we said that about him, how coaching matters, how this team a couple of years ago that they ended up with the fourth seed. We knew they weren't a fourth seeded team. But the way they performed, the way they played, the way the defense changed. And, you know, the Knicks, if you're a Knicks fan, that's been your team's identity. You, The Knicks have never had a team that was a scoring, a big-time scoring team ever. It's just not what they've had. 
Okay, not not a lot. I mean, you know, the bomb squad days of, you know, Mark Jackson, Johnny Newman, uh, you know, Rod Strickland, Oakley, Patrick Ewing. That was a kind of a really big scoring days. Uh, you know, Allen Houston came. They added some scoring with him and Sprewell. But for, for the most part, this this team has always been known for their defense. And even when they scored, fans were like, yeah, but we don't play any defense. And so when Tom Thibodeau came back here, he kind of reinstituted that, that calling card that Nick fans love for their team, and that is their defense. And so one of the things that you see that Jamie Harris mentioned uh, from the Amsterdam News a couple of minutes ago was the fact that they are better defensively, and, and they have done a better job in closing out guys. They've done a better job closing out threes. They've done a better job uh, in contesting late in games. Okay, that's what they've been able to do. And part of that has been the footwork of Grimes and McBride and some other players. The concern I have, as I've mentioned to you before, is the fact that those guys, you know, with taller guys, like Luca just shot over them. And Luca is not, you know, we don't we don't say Luca is a guy that skies. That's not we don't say skies and Luca Doncic in the same sentence. We don't. He's a phenomenal player, but he's a guy that you know he shoot he can shoot over Grimes. He's six nine, <laughs> so he can easily shoot over Grimes. And so that's that's what you're seeing. That's what some of the issues are defensively that you have with this Nick team. But I have to say, I expected them, when I looked at the team this year, I felt that they were, if they, if they played, based on what the team was with their starting lineup on opening night, I felt that this team could maybe be a 7th or 8th seed. If they played really, really, really well, maybe they could be a 6. And what they've been able to do and is is really, as Jamie said, and he's right on it, the teams they're supposed to beat, that's what they've been able to do. Do they keep teams in games? Yeah, but a lot of teams do in the NBA. So that's what they've done. Now, when they play the better teams, that's when you notice the difference, right? That's when you notice the disparity in talent. But they're in the games. So the one thing that I'm thankful for as a Nick fan is that for the most part, every game is entertaining. They're in every game. They don't. They very rarely get blown out. Very rarely. They're, they're talented. that keeps them in every game. And like I said earlier to Jamie, as much as I criticize Julius Randle, I have to acknowledge that he has played. He's been great so far this season. The numbers have been great. He's been great. He's been a double-double machine. He's been great. And today, he kept his turnovers down. That's really the biggest difference I have, biggest problem I have with him, is the turnovers. You know, because he's dribbling. And, and what happens is bad teams don't capitalize on it. Good teams do. And so your good teams, they'll send that second defender over. Right? That's what the good teams will do. They'll send the second defender. The good teams will uh, try to take the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands to make sure that the offense is sputtering. All right? So that's why uh, they have to make some adjustments and they need to add some players. So while they are better than 
I expect it, and they're playing better, uh, you know, they have to make another move. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline. And I'm sure they've been, you know, contesting and trying to figure out what they can do to get better. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. Friend of the show, Kristen Winfield, who covers the Nets for the Daily News, quoting Kyrie Irving after the loss tonight, says he doesn't believe the Nets will struggle without Kevin Durant. Two fourth quarter collapses, including an embarrassing blown lead against Oklahoma City, say otherwise. Uh, with Durant out, it's, clearly, it's clear Irving must step up so far no good. That's the article by Christian Winfield. And this was a tough spot because right before the game, the Nets found out that they would not have Ben Simmons because of a back issue. So now that now you're missing two starters. And so that puts more pressure on your bench. It puts more pressure on Kyrie. And tonight just wasn't his night. He was 7 of 20, 1 of 7 from 3. Six assists, six rebounds, ended up with 15 points. Um, you know, O'Neal had 11. Claxton had 17. Can I tell you something? 17 points and 13 rebounds. I liked Nick Claxton from the first time I saw him. And he has really blossomed into a very, very talented center. He's good. He's, he's good and he's young. He runs the floor. He attacks the basket. He's solid defensively. He, he's a rim blocker. He's a rim protector. He, he does a nice job. He really does a nice job. And the big, to me, the biggest difference, yeah, we talk about the issues that, you know, the Nets were having and, uh, you know, Jacques Vaughn takes over and, you know, he seems to bring the guys together and they look, you know, there's more camaraderie and Kevin Durant takes over and he goes talking to, to the players and they all get on one page and so on and so forth. But I think the biggest difference has been how well the Nets have defended. I mean, tonight was not a good issue because they gave up 37 points in the fourth quarter to a under 500 OKC team. But um, nevertheless, defensively, they've, they've been much better. You watch them contest. You watch them protect the rim. They're better defend. They're better rebounding team off their off the defensive boards. They 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 have improved. And so, listen, everybody's gonna. Kevin Durant's one of the top three best players in this league. So you don't have him, you're gonna you're gonna suffer. You're gonna lose some games. Okay, I get it. It's OKC. And you expect to beat them, especially at home. I get it. I understand it. But it's going to be a difference. It just is. I mean, take take LeBron off the Lakers. Take Anthony Davis off the Lakers. <laughs> and they struggle. So when you have a great player like Kevin Durant who, who affects all phases, he affects how defenses play you. He, he, he affects how he affects your defense because he's so good. And now you're, you're Kyrie Irving. Okay, you're the focus of the off, you're the focus of the opponent's defense. We can't let Kyrie Irving beat us. Simple. So they'll make the adjustment. And like I said, it was tough for them to not have, you know, uh, Ben Simmons tonight because he would have been able to help them. Maybe not from a scoring standpoint because we know that he's not a big scorer, but, you know, a guy to take. 
it takes some pressure off Kyrie off the ball. That Kyrie could be off the ball. That Ben Simmons could get some easy layups, help you with your defense, and do some other things. I mean, Net fans, I'll have to tell you, you know, he's been, he has provided more for you than I think a lot of people in the league expected. Now, you knew what he could do. You understand what talent he is. Okay. It's just a matter of him being available. That's what you're looking for. And he's been available. This is really one of the few times that he hasn't been available. And listen, it's a back issue. It's something that he's going to have to deal with. And obviously, it was bad enough that he couldn't go because you know you're already undermanned without Durant. So he just couldn't go. So, all right, you lose one. But the Nets have played well this season. Ever since the, the slow start, they've played well. And they're going to win their share of games. They really are. And hopefully... Durant will, you know, it's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So you figure, you know, after that, he'll probably take another two weeks to get rolling. So he'll be back shortly. And then all you have to do is just hold serve until he gets back. That's all you have to do. And you've got enough talent on there with Curry, with Joe Harris. You've got some talent. You've got enough talent on there that on most nights you'll be able to win. Kyrie Irving is not going to shoot 7 of 20 every game. He's too talented for that. So this is a hiccup. I know they've lost two in a row. It's going to take an adjustment. But I think they'll be fine. We I suck. Think they'll be fine. Well, maybe tonight you do. <laughs> but that's not a that's not a regular occurrence. Okay? It's not a regular occurrence. So so I believe that you know the Nets will be the Nets, the Nets will be fine. The Nets will be fine. All they have to do is like I said, hold serve and they'll be good. You know, be good. It's um and you, you probably have Ben Simmons back shortly, so Kyrie will have a little help. I mean, I mean, give me a break. They're number two in the East right now. They're four games behind the Celtics. Okay, so they're number two in the East. I still can't believe the Knicks are number six. They're a game ahead of Miami. Miami And Miami's coming. Miami's playing very well. This is going to be a tight. This is, uh, you know, this, what is it? Five games separate... Six from ten in the East. Knicks are six, and you got Miami seventh, Indiana eighth, Atlanta ninth, and Chicago tenth. And you're you're curious to see because the Raptors out of the playoffs right now they're in the eleventh spot, so they're just out of it, and they're five games under five hundred. And you wonder what moves they're going to make during the All Star uh, during the All Star break and for the trade deadline. Are they going to make a move? Is Washington going to make a move at 18 and 25? Are they going to move some of their guys out? What are they going to do? So, uh, you know, this, this, when we get to another month, the, the trade, it's going to be interesting to see who's available and who's going to be on the move and what teams are going to have to do what, what they do. You know, that, that's going to be interesting. That is. As a matter of fact, the Knicks are playing Toronto tomorrow at 3 o'clock at the Garden. So that's going to be, you'll hear that right here on 98.7 ESPN. And uh, Brooklyn is in action. They will be in San Antonio on Tuesday. So they have another day to get Ben Simmons loose and active, and hopefully he'll be able to go and, you know, as I mentioned, get them back on the winning track. But still, as I said, they're in second place in the East, so. And I know that fans are like, Larry, remember, we were the top spot in the East when Kevin Durant went down last year. 
and it was tough for us to recover. So, you know, we, we understand what this means with the injuries to to KD and how badly it, it bothers us and, and what it does to us. So, yeah, I get that. I understand that. There's no question. He's a phenomenal player. Okay? You're going to miss him. You're going to miss him. You just have to find other guys. What, what, what's the line the coaches say? Other guys have to step up. It's the next man up mentality. You you know the lines. You've heard them all over the place, all over the place. So it, it, that's what the Nets have to do. As far as the Knicks are concerned, uh, I just need them to keep – what I would love to see them do as a Knicks fan is to pick up some wins, go on a little streak at home. I mean, they're a pretty good road team. They do a nice job away from the Garden. But there's something about the Garden. Teams come into the Garden and, and they – it's like they're the home team. They just get psyched up coming into the garden, seeing the celebrities and coming on the floor of the Knicks. And it's one of the, listen, it's one of the iconic places to play basketball, play sports in, in, this, in this country. It's, it's got, you know, it's, it's historic. It's a lot of things have happened here. It's a, it's a tremendous place. And so players love to come in and show what they can do on the garden floor. It's Broadway. It's big time. And that's what they love. And so sometimes teams play above themselves. And that's what, and they have a hard, Knicks have a hard time stepping up and doing what they need to do. So a win tomorrow against Toronto would be good. That's what I need to see them do is to get better at home. When we return, we'll turn our attention back to the Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. That win, and we'll hear from some of the Giants next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.